We're continuing this morning with our theme, Start. Start. And the first the verses we use is when God told Moses to record the journey of Israel from Egypt to the to Canaan, the promised land. And he said, record it <coughs> according to their starting points. And so our first message was starting points, that your spiritual journey is a series of starting points. Notice it was starting points, not the destination points. Destination points, as we said, are fuzzy and unclear. Starting points are clear, simple, and possible. You are right at the beginning. Nothing keeps you from starting, taking that first step. And then last week, we talked about getting started and how we have to overcome inertia. There's something that just wants to keep us where we are. And we saw in the scripture the admonition to lay aside the weights and all those things that would hold us back. And we saw how many things keep us from starting. Well, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough education. I don't have the experience. I don't have the resources. I'm too old. I'm too young. So many things just keep us frozen in place. But we need to get started. This morning, we want to go on and we want to, to talk about this. Starting right now. Starting right now. Hope that you picked up a fill-in sheet can follow along with us this morning. There's a big difference between deciding to start and starting right now. How many times have you decided, you know what, I'm going to do that. And then the day goes by and the week goes by. And a month goes by, and every now and then it comes back to your mind. You say, yes, I'm going to start that. But you just never get started. I remember uh, reading a book or at a seminar, not sure which, and, and the fellow talked about, he, he pulled out of his pocket a little wooden uh, coin-like thing, and he said, I want you to show you something. He said, this is the Tuit, T-U-I-T. And he said, and this is a round to it. And he said, you, everybody needs to have one of these. And he said, you need to make sure you keep it in your pocket. He says, I keep mine in my pocket all the time. Because I don't know how many times I say, well, I'm going to start that when I get around to it. And I'm going to do this when I get around to it. I'm going to clean the garage when I get around to it. I'm going to take that course when I get around to it. And he said, I just want you to know you need a round to it. And he said, if you keep it in your pocket and you say that and you say it, you say, oh, wait a minute. I've got a round to it. I can start right now. There's a big difference. And we all know it. The difference between deciding to start and starting right now. To start right now, you have to overcome that, in that inertia. You have to believe that the benefit of starting right now, listen, is worth the immediate sacrifice and effort. Because you, when you're starting something new, you usually have to lay something else aside. But we're not ready to lay it aside, and we actually haven't weighted into the equation in our mind. We, we just know we want to start. And, and then without any thought or effort, we realize I'm not starting, but I want to start, and I'll get around to it, and we don't start. I used to, I, I hate to admit this, but, but I, I found something in my own life that when something major comes to me and I say, I, wanna, I really want to do that, I really want to do that, you know, I, I really think there'd be a great spiritual benefit in doing that. And then when I look back over my life, from that point to when I actually implement it. Now, I hate to tell you this, but as I look back over my life, it was about two years. I needed two years of that constant prodding. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. I wanted to do that. I've got to do that. And, and then it gets past you. And on average, I could see different major things that I started, but it took about two years I could have done it right, right away. But I'm telling you, there's something in us 
that keeps us from getting started right now. And you've got to get over that which is in your life that you have to lay aside or have to sacrifice or the effort it takes to overcome that inertia to start right now. We can place more value in the pleasures of the moment over the rewards of starting right now. There are rewards in starting right now. But I'm involved in things right now, and especially things that are pleasurable, that I enjoy, that causes me able to relax and be comfortable. I've got this nice comfortable chair, or I've got these nice comfortable cushions, as it were. And so I, I, it takes effort to get off the chair. It, it takes effort to start doing something. It's so much easier just to lay in bed and you feel the warm covers and you sort of wake up and you're sort of in that half drowsy, half not, you know, awake stage and you know you want to get up to do something and, and there's a pleasure in just staying there. There's a comfort in just staying where you are. But we have to realize there's more value if I get up. There's more benefits that's of great worth for me to start than just to sit back. What keeps us? What are those comfortable things that eats up our time? And, you know, here's the things. The things you don't plan to do, but you're doing. I don't think we plan to binge watch a whole series on TV. We, well, I'll watch the first series. That was interesting. Oh, well, no commercials in that, so it doesn't really take an hour. I, I'll just watch the next one and the next one. And then, you know, you, you leave off in the next night. Well, I'll watch the next one. I'll watch the next one. And you start binge watching something that's eating up all your time. You didn't plan, but it's keeping you from starting something that God's prompting you to do, something you know you should do, something that would bring much more value to you, and you realize it brings value to you, but somehow we just don't get started into it. I mean, you can go down the list. Everybody's got their own comfort thing. Video games, social media, things that take much longer than what we anticipated. Well, I'll just do this for 15, 20 minutes, and then you get involved, and then you go, oh, man, an hour's gone. Or two hours is gone. Or as my sons, when they were younger, <laughs> they would be playing video games with their friends all over the city, and they would play all night because uh, they got involved in something. I'm just saying some things just grip us and take our time that keep us from starting right away. we got to get past that. What's the answer? Immediately follow the Spirit's leadings when you're in His presence. Now, we talked last week, don't start anything unless the presence of the Lord can go with you. In the presence of the Lord, when you take time to dwell in his presence, God speaks to you. In fact, I'm trying to think here. I haven't really thought this through. There may be an exception to this. But right now, as I'm thinking about the major times God spoke to me, it was when I was in his presence. I was meditating on him. I was praying. I was reading the word. I was in a seminar. I was in a church service. I was in a worship time. I was in his presence. Boy, don't take time to be in his presence. You've got to push some other things aside. Take time to be in the presence of the Lord. I tell you, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. But you have to take time to get into his presence. 
and the effort to start to move into his presence and engage yourself in the activities that draw him to you. He inhabits the praises of his people. Be a person of praise. Be a person of worship. Meditate on his word. These are things that will draw you into his presence. And he will speak to you in his presence. Now, when he speaks to you, here's what you have to do. Immediately follow the leading of that, of his spirit, the promptings of his spirit in your life. A definition I've used for years and years about walking in the spirit is this. Immediate obedience to the initial prompting of God's spirit. If you want to walk in the Spirit, you have to have immediate obedience to the initial prompting of His Spirit. Because He's walking, He's moving. And if you're going to walk with God, you have to move with God. He'll prompt you. You have to step up. You've got to get up. You've got to start. And you move initially, immediately with that leading. And He takes you places you can't even imagine. Now, there's a portion of Scripture in Genesis 18, verses 1 to 8. And uh, let me read it to you. It says, this speaking of Abraham, the Lord, and I just took portions, so save reading the whole context, but you, you can read it at your own leisure. Then the Lord appeared to him, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Now, these, this, these were theophanies uh, of God. The angel of the Lord, there's different, but it was, it was God had visited him. He, the presence of God had come to his tent door. And as soon as Abraham saw that the presence of the Lord came to him, came to him in the form of three men, he ran immediately to them to meet them. He bowed down before them. And then he said in verse 3, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring you a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. Then they said, do as you have said. Years and years and years ago when I read this portion of scripture, I believe I was in Bible college. I was reading this portion of scripture and those words just jumped off the page to me. Do as thou hast said. I was reading it in the King James Version in those, in those years. Do as you have said. We say a lot of things to the Lord in prayer, don't we? We talk about all the service we're going to do for him. Abraham's case, he was going to run. He was going to get them water. He was going to wash their feet. He was going to bring them bread. He was going to bring them all these things. And, and, and the Lord says to him, do as you have said. I wonder how many times we've told the Lord we're going to do a lot of things and we don't do as we have said. We intended. We had every good intention to do it. But then we just don't get around to it. We just let it go. And the Lord's saying, you know, I, 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 you're in my presence. You're feeling my presence. You, you realize you're bowing down. You, you sense my majesty. And you're, you've got a lot of good thoughts in your mind of what you're going to do for me. And I just want to know the Lord is saying to you, do as you have said. Do what you thought. Do what you impressed to do. Follow that leading. Whatever was prompting in your heart to yield and to give to God Go ahead and do it. Don't wait. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd. Notice the haste here. He ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. 
So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared, set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. I pray that those words translate into your life. Whatever the things you were wanting to prepare and give to the Lord to satisfy him, to please him, to bring pleasure to the Lord. Are you doing it? And are you doing it with haste? And have you offered it before him and then waiting for the next thing? Well, you know what the next thing in Abraham's? And if you read on in this story, the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, this time next year, Sarah's going to have a son. Now, Sarah heard it. She laughed. She's in the back because she's old. They're past age of having children. What if Abraham had just let them pass by the tent? If Abraham had said, no, come in, come in, come in, sit, sit down, like, what can I get for you? I'm going to go and get you some water, I'm going to wash your feet, I'm going to get you some bread, just sit here. He detained them in his presence. And then the Lord spoke and said, you're going to have a child. And, and it was the launching of Abraham being the father of the faithful. As there was a promise that Isaac was going to be born. There was a lot that hinged on his activities that day. So the next point I would say to you, delaying the start has consequences. <laughs> if you delay to act, it, it has consequence. Like in the natural, if you delay to act, you, you miss the plane. You're late for the appointment. You miss an opportunity that would have been there. That's just in the natural. In the spiritual, you may miss the promise and the purpose that God has for your life. He had promised Abraham things. In Abraham moving and responding and acting with haste, the promise was spoken to him this time next year. You're going to have a child. What if Abraham had not acted to show hospital, hospitality? And the question that comes to us is, what if you don't act right now on what you're feeling in the presence of the Lord? I want you to know there are consequences In the scripture, Acts 24, 25, Paul was brought before Felix, the Roman governor, to give a defense. He would, had been arrested. And it says in Acts 24 and verse 25, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. It just got a little too hot for Felix. He was feeling some conviction. Paul was making sense. Paul was talking about righteousness, holiness, the need for self-control and discipline, and that we're going to stand before God in the judgment and give an account of what we have done. And Felix says, you know what, <laughs> uh, all that's good, Paul. Um, listen, let's just break it off for now. And then later on at a more convenient time, I'll have you come and we'll talk more about this. What did Felix miss? What if Felix had said, Paul, I'm, I'm feeling something inside. I don't know what this is. Paul would have said, I think it's conviction. It's the spirit of the Lord. And they had to continue the conversation. Maybe Felix would have been saved. What did Felix miss by putting it off? Paul writes to the Christians at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6 2, and he says this For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, 
and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I tell you, it's very, very dangerous when you feel conviction in your heart to put it off. Because today is the day of salvation. God's Spirit is moving on you in this moment. He's drawing you. Your heart's open. You're feeling the tug. You're feeling conviction. You're feeling the desire. Act on that, folks. Act on it. Right now, immediately, today. This is the accepted time. You don't say, you know, a little later I'll talk to you. You know, the, the, in that same process of Paul being brought before people, he was brought before King Agrippa. And again, Paul's telling them about his story, how he was struck down, how God spoke to him, how God put a call on his life. He was fighting against Christ, and Christ appeared to him. The risen Christ appeared to him. And as he's sharing with, with King Agrippa, he tells King Agrippa, he says, I know none of this has escaped you. He says, King Agrippa, I know you've heard this. This is not news to you. I'm telling you, it's real. It happened to me. You know what King Agrippa said? Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul said, oh, King Agrippa, he said, not just almost, but altogether, I pray that you would yield to the Lord, as it were. I'm saying, putting things off, not acting in the moment, not acting on the prompting of God's Spirit. It carries consequences. And it's, it's not just a delay that's indifferent. You know, I'll just postpone that for a bit. Uh, the opportunity to be there tomorrow. You don't know whether the opportunity to be there tomorrow. Every delay has consequences. And so you need to just determine... When God speaks to you, I'm going to act now. I'm going to start right now. Here's the next point. Delaying your response to God's prompting can hinder God's perfect will for your life. So I'm saying it's not like, you know, you miss it, then God gives up on you and he never works on your life again. No, he, he'll work on your life. He is always working with us. But you may have missed God's perfect will for your life. Now, I want you to, to see this verse in um, Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, now listen, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I don't want to uh, read too much into this, but it seems to imply that there's a good will of God for you, there's an acceptable will of God for you, and there's a perfect will of God for you. Now, I can't define all of this, and I don't want to, as I say, read too much into this, but he's saying, you know, Give yourself, yield your body to the Lord. Present it as a sacrifice to the Lord. And then your mind's renewed. You're thinking clearly. You're evaluating things in a proper way. And then you will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want God's perfect will for my life. I want what he's planned from the beginning to happen. I don't want to miss out on the best because I want to just settle for the good. I want God's perfect will for my life. So don't delay. Start immediately. I mean, this has got to be the mindset. I'm going to start right away. When God prompts me, I'm going to act. Don't put it off. Here's Proverbs 6, 4, and 5. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. 
we don't know the consequences that are waiting, lurking in the side grounds. That your delay now exposes you to a danger. He's saying, act now, do it now. When you feel that impression from God, act on it immediately. It's like a, like a gazelle escaping from a hunter. It's like a bird fleeing from a net. Do it now. So, here's the next point. Hearing God's voice inspires and motivates us to act. If you do not respond immediately to God's prompting, the motivation wanes and subsides. Have you ever noticed this in your life? When, when you're in the presence of the Lord and he speaks to you, your heart's excited, you're thrilled about the possibility, you make your dedication, you pray to the Lord, Lord, I give you everything. Lord, I give you my life. We're in a worship song. Lord, I give you my life. We're singing it. Tears are running down our face. And, and he's prompting us. And, but we don't act on it right away. We just let it slide. And when you let it slide, here's the problem. The motivation begins to wane and subside. The desire to do it, the conviction, the excitement begins to go down. So that's why it's so important to act on it immediately. How many times, you know, have you been, you know, you've been in a service and talked about prayer and having an early morning time with the Lord. And, and so you say, yes, yes. I, I want to do that. And so you go to, to bed that night and you say, I'm going to get up early in the morning and I'm going to pray and read the scripture. And then overnight, <laughs> you wake up in the morning and the bed feels so comfortable. And suddenly that desire to get up is met with the coldness of the room and the cold floor. Uh and somehow the excitement just isn't there, and we hit the snooze, and we just put things off. We all know that that's the case, and that's what happens to us. So what's the natural remedy? We use an alarm clock. <laughs> we, we set the alarm. It's like we need a starting device. Now, an alarm clock isn't spiritual. It just helps you to do what you intended to do. I want to get up at 6 or whatever the time is. Don't just wait for your flesh to wake up at 6. You may or may not. But with the alarm clock, it's something apart from you that you set the alarm to get up and pray. An ungodly person might set the alarm to get up and do something that's not right. The alarm clock is indifferent to what the activity is. Is it good or bad? It's something we use to help us to get started when we want to start we all are drowsy. Our flesh always pulls us down. We, there's an inertia in all of us that we talked about last week. Listen to this verse. Romans 13, verses 11 and 12. And do this, knowing the time, that now it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off all the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. These are admonitions to us that tell us we all get groggy, we all get sleepy, we all just sort of relax and we go into a stupor or into a sleep, but we're alive, but we're not aware of the surroundings 
And we're not affecting our surroundings because we're asleep. We can do that spiritual. We can be alive. God may want us to do things, interact, be, be part of what he wants to do on earth, but we're sleeping. And, and, and the Lord is saying in this verse, he's saying it's, it's high time to get up. It's high time to get moving. Cast off the works of darkness. And they don't always have to just be sin. Remember, also the weights. Cast off the things that's holding you back. Sins, yes, but weights. Things that are not bad within themselves, they just hold you back. They're taking your time. They're taking your energy. They're taking your resources. They're taking your attention. And they're not bringing any dividend. You're doing it. There's a pleasure in the moment, but for eternity, it's worthless. And he's saying, wake up, wake up. Don't go in this dream world. Don't just dream your dreams that have no reality to them. He says, wake up. Get involved in the real world. Get out in the light. Start doing something. This is the admonition for all of us, folks, not just the people that Paul wrote to. We all can get sleepy. Remember the five, the ten versions, five wise, five foolish? Five fell asleep. Five kept alert, trimmed their lamps. Then the bridegroom came. And the ones that went to sleep did not keep their lamps full. Boy, there's lots in this. What I'm talking to you is, is not, you know, a periphery thing. This is the heart of what the teaching of the scripture. And you need to be aware of your own tendency and your own... Ex uh, susceptibility to fall asleep spiritually. And we need to wake up. So, here's the next point. We need a commitment prompting device. <laughs> I don't know, that's what I called it. <laughs> a spiritual alarm clock. A commitment prompting device. Something that sets an alarm off in us, something that prompts us to do the thing we know we should do, to start the thing that we need to start. We need some kind of device how to rouse yourself spiritually. Some strategy that will help you to overcome the weakness of your flesh. Now, how did Israel, in our initial portion, when he said record their journeys by their starting points, and they were to follow the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, they were to follow the leading and the presence of the Lord. They were always to move with the presence of the Lord. How did they actually do it? It tells us in Numbers 10, verses 1 to 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them out of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. Now, he's already told them earlier they're to move when the cloud moves. So what's he saying here to them? You need to have some kind of device to alert the people that the cloud is moving. Rather than just leaving to everyone to sort of look out their tent door, the cloud's still, yeah, the cloud's still there. I'll check it in a bit. <laughs> Rather than just leaving it to, you know, sort of a murmur throughout the camp. Do you hear it? The cloud's moving. The cloud's moving. Oh, oh, yeah. Yell to the, to the next neighbor. Cloud's moving. Rather than leaving it to just a happenstance, just what naturally would happen one to another, he tells Moses, no, you hammer out trumpets here. So when that cloud starts to move, you blow the trumpet. And everybody in the camp hears the trumpet. They don't have to worry. The trumpet's blowing. The cloud's moving. We got to break camp. We're moving out. And then we better start right now. Because the trumpet is blowing. Wow. There's so much in this, folks. 
Interesting, Paul brings the same concept up in 1 Corinthians 14, 8. He says, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So he's telling us as Christians, as we are speaking to others, we need to make a certain sound. We need to be clear. We need to act clearly. We need to not be uh, fuzzy and compromise. He says, no, as Christians, you need to make a certain sound. Just like in the army and the trumpet blows, how would the battle be won if there isn't a trumpet that's directing the forces to do what they should do? So there's the same concept of some device that prompts them to act the way that they should act. Because starting is a battle. You have to overcome your own weakness. And it's usually the weakness of the flesh. So here's the next point. Set up systems and processes in your life where the goal isn't to create the finish, but just to, to create a start. We're going back to our first message, starting points. I think many times we don't get started because we say, oh, that's just too hard to get to that finish line. The destination, I, I, you know... I just get suffocated when I start thinking about what I've got to do to get to what I think God wants me to do. And we don't start many times because we don't know how to get to the finish line. So we say, what's the use? Once I see how to get there, then I'll start. And the Lord's saying, no, just start. Just start. Take your next step. Don't wait. Don't put this off. Don't comfort yourself with, I'm going to do it soon, sometime. He says, no, you have, to, you have to act on this. You have to hammer something out. Now, we don't like hammering things out. It seems too unspiritual. The spiritual thing is God prompts me and I just do it. So I set an alarm if I want to get up and pray in the morning I'll just wake up and start praying when I wake up. Now, we get past that point because we realize the natural flesh is, no, if I got to catch a plane, I want to pray in the morning, same thing. I set the alarm clock because it's going to prompt me to do what I know I should do. But what about other things? What about improving your family life? How about being a better husband, a better wife, responding better to your children? What about being a better witness? What about being a witness? What about using your talents and abilities for God's kingdom? What about getting up and doing something for God? What about hearing his perfect will for my life? How am I going to respond to that? Well, folks, you got to hammer some things out to overcome the, your flesh. And, and this is where, you know, and I get stuck on this. Well, it's not spiritual. That's just systems. Ah, that's just, uh, you're just setting yourself, a, a, you know, a ritual, a routine, a, a discipline. You know, disciplines are in the Scripture. I, I guarantee if you just think to yourself, I'll pray when I feel to pray, you won't pray enough. But if you have a discipline, then I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to pray. If you have a discipline that helps you do things that you know you should do, an implement that helps you accomplish getting started, then we've hammered out a trumpet that sounds in our life that prompts us to move and to act. Again, I say, is this too unspiritual for you? <laughs> too natural? Maybe when they were taking, the, they were hammering out these trumpets, trying to get the trumpets and the work it took to, to make the trumpets. There's some work involved in creating devices in your life that prompts you to do what you want to do right when you need to do it. So very, very important. So, get your mind in the just start mode 
rather than the must-finish mode. Folks, we said the first week, getting started is half the job. Just getting started is half the job. And you need to, uh, it's a key to doing God's will, just start. And just start now. Act immediately. Follow the prompting of God's Spirit. Let it be a trigger. I never put this off. I'm going to do it. I'm going to act on this. So you get in this just start mode. So whatever it might be, step out into the field. Stand up in the meeting. <laughs> Raise your hand and volunteer. Walk up to the podium. Ask the first question in the discussion. Take a risk. Get started. Join the team. Join the small group. The things you feel prompted to do, do it. And just get going on it. You know... Sometimes when you're joining a team or a ministry team at church or in the net, it works in our work as well. You know, many times what holds us back is, well, I'm not, I'm not the best person to do this. Listen, <laughs> you don't have to be the best person on the team to join the team. You may not be the star player on the team. You may not have the prominent role, role on the stage. But you have your role to play. And the Lord tells us in the analogy of the body and the different members of the body, we're all different. We all have different abilities and talents. The eye is not the ear. The ear is not the hand. Some members are more prone. But it says everybody's important. The body needs to function together. When you join a church, it's more than just saying, I'm joining a church. You get involved in the church. You're, you're becoming a life-functional part of that church. You bring your gifts. You bring your talents. You may not be the star player. You don't have to be the star player. We just need to be a player. Get out on the field. Begin. So, here's the next one. Focus on the things that will help you to start now. I mean, that's what you, this is the whole thrust of this message. Focus on the things that get you to start now. Maybe it's, it's different for everyone. If you want to start a project and your desk is all messy, and no one look at my desk, uh, de declutter your workspace. Get things organized. Remember when we were talking about Rick Warren, talking about reading the scripture first thing in the morning? One of the little suggestions he made, leave the Bible open on your bedstand when you go to bed. So you don't have to get up in the morning and say, where's my Bible? <laughs> it will deter you from getting started. He said, leave it open to where you left off reading the night before because then you don't have to find the Bible. Now, where was I reading? What should I read this morning? What I'm talking about is little things that help you to get started right now. You get started. You have a schedule. You keep a schedule. You can have an accountability partner that checks in on you or that you pray with periodically and say, How's it do how are you doing with those things you plan to do? You can join a small group that the small group is encouraging to do something. See, what I don't know what it is in your life, but the Lord will show you and work with you what you need to do to rouse yourself to act immediately on things. So bring those hammered out devices into your life. They are spiritual things that will help you, even though they're natural. And like an alarm clock could wake you up to do something wrong or can wake you up to do something good. A lot of these things, the world's already figured out. Setting goals, steps to goals, 
but spiritual goals, not natural goals. To do God's will, but having a plan and a purpose and a schedule and breaking it down into steps. All these things, I don't know what it means to you, but all I'm saying to you, you need a, uh, you need a device that prompts you to act now and in the moment of what you need to do. Sometimes just start doing something for 10 minutes. I was at a conference one time and they were talking about praying every day and the person leading the seminar said, don't commit to pray for an hour every day. He said that you're going to get disappointed. You're going to, again, it's too big. He said, just plan that you're going to pray for five minutes. Just commit to five minutes. He said, you'll be surprised if how it becomes easier to do that. Okay, I just have to read the scripture, say a prayer, just five minutes. But it gets you started. And once you get started, then the momentum takes over. And you begin to, and you find yourself spending more time than what you ever thought, but you have to get started. So there's means to just get started in something. Here's another one, and, and our time is, is um, getting past this this morning. Realize the importance of starting early in the morning. Now, some of you might say, but I'm not a morning pe person, I I'm a night owl. And I do think that, that there's some in that, something in that. But I was reading something just recently, and, uh, and it was just a, a natural business thing, and it was saying they've never really figured that out. I mean, there's no real scientific evidence of that. It's more of what habit you got into. And that... And then it went on to say, of people that are successful in the natural, the vast, vast majority, like 80, 85% of them, get up early in the morning and they do their work in the morning. And the night owl people can be successful, but they're not as successful and not into, in the number that would be successful. I'm just throwing some things out here. Because in the Bible, if you trace the people of God and Jesus himself, he arose early in the morning and went out to pray. I just want you to assess the value of starting your day early. You'll find there's a, lot, a, a whole lot less distractions at 5.30 in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning than at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> You can get a lot done while everyone else is sleeping. There's something about getting started early. Um, does your day get going without you? <laughs> does your day start without you? The day's going, but you're not. You're, you're still in bed. You need to get started every day. I put this in your note. When the day starts, you need to start. It's a discipline. If you, uh, I, uh, if you have no discipline, you get up when you want to get up, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You watch TV all night. You go to bed at 1 in the morning. And you just do whatever you feel like doing. Folks, you won't be a success in the natural and you won't be a success in the spiritual. There's discipline. There's disciplines in your life. Things you put your life, you pour yourself into something. Make sure the Lord's with you. Make sure the Lord's prompting. You don't go anywhere without his prompting. It's not just doing these things to do it. You're doing it so that you can fulfill the purpose God has for you. You're feeling something in your spirit. You feel the prompting. You want to respond. You want to be faithful. Faithfulness comes into this whole thing. He wants us to be faithful. What keeps you from being faithful? It's sleep. 
Not just natural sleep, spiritual sleep, grogginess. We just get bogged down with stuff. And so I'm encouraging this morning, start your day. The greatest achievements don't happen without starting. You got to start. And here's the last point. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. I was thinking this morning about this. I remember Kay and I sitting in my parents' house. Still remember, she was sitting on the chair. I was sitting on the side of the chair. And we're thinking about starting the church here in Kitchener. And there was a family up here that invited us to come and said, we'll, we'll come. And we had been up and visited. And we had to decide, are we going to start or not? And I remember we just prayed and we just looked at each other and said, let's start. I mean, I've said many times, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't necessarily qualified. I didn't, I didn't have the ins and outs of all the stuff. But you know what? We just said we're going to start. And one step led to another step, to another step, to where we are today and the influence we have, not just in our community, but around the world. Um, small beginnings lead to the fulfillment of God's purposes. But you've got to be willing to start. And, and the start seems insignificant. So insignificant that you dismiss it and say, you know what, it doesn't really matter whether I start or not. It's not going to make any difference. Yes, it does. Small things. The beginning is usually small. So the scripture says, don't despise, I guess I didn't put the verse in here, but don't despise small beginnings. Don't look down on them because every start is important if God's leading you to that start. Shall we stand together this morning? I'm asking you to make a commitment to start. To start now. Whatever is right in front of you right now, I want you to, to make a commitment to start. Now, now, let me just add this really quickly because this is important. Someone said, well, do we start without planning? I mean, shouldn't we think this through? I don't want to just rashly start something. You know, that's absolutely true. Well, what's your start then? Planning. <laughs> start planning. I'm not meaning to be rash and jump into every thought you have, but start it. And maybe it is. You're getting advice from people. You're researching something. You're, you're planning out your strategy. You're putting the devices around you that will help you to, to accomplish this. That's starting. So whatever it is right in front of you right now, I want you to take steps to start and to start right now. Father, this word is so powerful, and we know it has such consequence. I ask, Lord, that myself and everyone here, Lord, would wake out of our spiritual slumber and our rest and to arise to do the work of the Lord, and that we'll start and take our first step, that small, simple, clear, possible step that's right in front of us. Help us to move forward and take us to our final destination the perfect plan and purpose for our life that your kingdom would be fulfilled. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Go in the name of the Lord today.